This is a Discovery Church podcast. Tune in to hear from our team as we invite you to find yourself in the bigger story. To find out more about what's going on in the life of the church, head to discoverychurch.com.au. Welcome to the Rebirth Series. We're in the middle of the Rebirth Series. It's so awesome to have you guys with us. I truly do believe, as Jody said, that I've got a word for you guys from, uh, that, I, that I believe is from the Holy Spirit to edify you guys. But I want to I start off by reading a quote. Greed is good, said Gordon Gecko in the movie Wall Street. Uh, he's a character that plays a Wall Street businessman and uh, he looks like the typical kind of businessman with their hair slicked back and the Versace $1,000 suit. And he stands in front of a crowd and he goes on to say, the point is this, ladies and gentlemen, that greed for a lack of a better word is good. Greed is right. Greed works. Greed clarifies, cuts through and captures the essence of the evolutionary spirit. Greed, of, greed in all of its forms, greed for life, for money, for love, knowledge, has marked the upward surge of mankind. Now, that sounds inspirational because in the movie, everyone kind of clapped him and said, you know, what a noble thing to say. We totally agree. But we want to actually have a look at uh, if that's actually true. So in this part of the Rebirth series, I've got the opportunity to be able to share with you guys around the issue of greed, uh, what it is, what it does to us, and also its counterpart, generosity, and how that frees us. And that's and, and to know that generosity is God's will for your life because it is just so freeing. So it, it is my pleasure to be able to take you through that today. But we're going to have a look at the issue of greed through the story of Ananias and Sapphira. And many of you guys would know the story. So I'm just going to read that out here. But before I do, I just want to give you a bit of a synopsis of what's going on first in the book of Acts. So in the book of Acts, which is the Acts of the Apostles, but really it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit, the people have now, through the prophecy in the book of Joel, been filled with the Holy Spirit and amazing things are starting to happen. Peter preached a sermon and with his first sermon, which, you know, <laughs> is kind of awesome, which I wish that I had this experience, 3,000 people got saved and those 3,000 people started dedicating themselves to God, to the Apostles' teaching, to gathering together at the temple and many signs and wonders were happening. And one of the signs that were happening was extreme generosity amongst the people who, who joined the church. They started selling the possessions. They started giving people uh, the, the, the proceeds that came out of there so that none among them would be poor or destitute, destitute or left behind. And then all of a sudden, then Peter and the apostles started getting persecuted. And we come to the end of Acts 4 and we start seeing again this beautiful picture. Luke puts this uh, beautiful picture in uh, chapter 4, verse 32 of the church and a guy specifically by the name of Barnabas, who sold their possessions and started giving all the proceeds to the apostles so that people could get, uh, be cared for. And you, see, start, you start seeing this beautiful uh, picture of generosity, of, of love overflowing in this church. And by this time, the full number of people were about 5,000 people and everyone there was being taken care of. And then Luke then uh, in contrast, after that verse of, this, uh, of Barnabas sharing his possessions and, and caring for the people in the church, by contrast, he shares the story of Ananias and Sapphira. And we'll pick it up from there. It says, but, it starts with the word but, which means it's a contrast. A man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. And with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and bought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? This is Acts 5, by the way, if you want to join me. And after it was sold, was it not your, at, at your disposal? 
Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but you've lied to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last, and great fear came upon all who heard it. The young men rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. After an interval, about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened, and Peter said to her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, Yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. When the young man came in, found her dead, they carried her out and buried her besides her husband, and great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard these things. If, you're, if you like writing titles for this message, this message is Chasing Wind Filled with the Breath. You know, we want to have a look at, uh, in this passage, what greed actually is. You know, many of us have uh, many definitions of what greed is. If you go onto the internet, you might find definitions such as a, a covetousness or avarice. These are, these are another words for greed. It could be, the description could be an uncontrolled longing for wealth. Uh, it could be a desire for more, especially money and these are really good explanations of what greed is all you need to do is go in the dictionary i think it has a really good explanation of what greed actually is but i really like the apostle paul's definition of what greed is in fact in ephesians 5 5 and colossians 3 5 paul actually brings up this idea of what he calls covetousness a biblical word for greed and he says he, he touches on three things sexual immorality impurity and covetousness and he doesn't just leave it as covetousness you know he's saying don't have these things in your life but he doesn't leave it at covetousness he explains what covetousness actually is and i reckon greed actually is and i reckon it hits the nail right on the head he says covetousness which is idolatry so no gordon gecko from wall street greed is not good greed is idolatry and, you know, when I first read those words and, and, and started to get a revelation of what Paul actually meant about idolatry, I asked the Lord, Lord, I understand what greed is. It's the desire to want to have more, even if, even if you don't really need it. But what does that mean? Like, what does Paul mean when he says it is idolatry? Because we know that part of the, one of the first, uh, in the Ten Commandments, one of the commandments is, you shall have no gods before me, which is idolatry. And so I asked the Lord, hey, can you explain to me what this actually means? And he brought me to a verse in Matthew 6, 24. And if you want to head there as well, and Jesus picks up this idea and actually explains for us what greed is, what covetousness is, and how it can turn into idolatry in our lives as well. So if you have your Bibles there, uh, jump with me to uh, Matthew 6, 24, and we'll read that and we'll try to unpack this a little bit. Now, Jesus talking in the Sermon on the Mount, he comes to the topic of money and he says this, No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now, I know greed can be expressed in so many ways, but biblically, most of the time when it talks about greed, it talks about greed and the connection with money. So that's the way I want to talk about it today. Jesus himself said, you cannot serve God and money. Now, initially, when you read that verse, you think, okay, then I guess I shouldn't have any material possessions at all. Because the word there is mammon. It means money and material possessions. 
And so you look at that verse and say, hey, look, I guess God's on this side and material possessions on this side. And if I really want to please God, that I should really have no material possessions at all to really, to really be devoted to God. But that's not what Jesus is actually saying. Jesus is not saying God is on one side and material possessions on the other side. Because if you look through the Bible, there are so many instances God blesses his people with material things. Even Romans says that with Christ, will he not give us all things for us to enjoy? God is a good God and he does satisfy us with material things. But the key to that verse is actually in the word serve. Jesus says you cannot serve God and mammon. Serving God is on one side and serving mammon is on the other side. You know, this temptation in Jesus' times to serve mammon, to, to run around, it even goes on later on in that verse to say, don't, don't do what the Gentiles do where they run around going, what shall I eat, what shall I wear? This, it's this idea of pursuing. It's this idea of pursuing material wealth. And when you pursue material wealth, do not be fooled. When you serve material wealth, do not be fooled. You will either hate one and love the other. You cannot have both in your life. That's what Jesus actually said. That word serve actually means in the Greek, it's, it's the word dulion. It comes from the word doulos. It means to be a slave to. You cannot be a slave to God and you cannot be at the same time a slave to money. You know, for us, we think I'm not a slave to anyone. Actually, we, are, we have derivative natures, which means that our nature wants to belong to something. And Jesus says that when you belong to the pursuit of material wealth, you will inevitably and eventually push God to the side. Now, this is incredibly convicting for me because as I read this and as I meditated on this verse, I started to think, what actually controls my activities? What actually controls my life? And I started to think, if God actually asked me to do something, would the first thought in my life be, well, what about my finances? What about, what about the things I have to pay off? What about the school that I have to send my kids to? What about all that sort of stuff? And it sort of dawned on me that if that is my initial reaction, then maybe I am actually not as devoted to God. Because that, that word serve actually also means devotion, devotion to God. So what is greed? Greed, it happens, greed is a fruit of when you are devoted to the pursuit of material wealth. Greed pops up. And what happens is when greed is in your life and you're devoted to the pursuit of material wealth, it starts to bring deadness into your life. It starts to bring emptiness in your life. You know, Psalms talks about and the scriptures talk about that we become like the things that we worship. These people in Israel started worshipping idols and they started becoming deaf and mute because the idols couldn't talk. And in the same way, when we start devoting ourselves to the pursuit of material wealth, we start becoming like the things that we are starting to we chase after. We start becoming dead because the thing about material wealth is it's not alive. It's inanimate. We are not created to pursue, to devote ourselves to material possessions. In fact, when we do that, we start to become a slave to those things. And you've seen it so many times. People that go on social media, they're, they're always talking about the material things that they have and they effectively they become a slave to those things. You are not meant to be a slave to anything. In fact, Galatians says that it was for freedom that Christ set you free. What you are meant to be is free in Jesus Christ. And like I said again, this is not about having material things and not having material things. It's about what you are devoted to. And this is what Paul says, greed is idolatry. Don't be fooled. The temptation that would happen 2,000 years ago is still a temptation today. We have the ability to serve and to worship material possessions. And yet God is calling us to something different. 
You know, Matt said something interesting uh, last week. He talked to the young adults as well, and it kind of stuck to me when he said that. He said that those who are most lustful actually will find themselves to be having the capacity to be most, to have the capacity to have the most intimacy with God. So those who, those who are lustful have the capacity to have the most intimacy with God because it's, it's the intimacy that gets perverted. I want to say this as well. Those who have this struggle of covetousness, just wanting more, greed is wanting more and more and more. Those who have this, um, this desire to have things that they don't have, you actually have the capacity to worship God the most. Because that's effectively what worship is. Think about it. Remember the last time that you were filled with the Holy Spirit. Remember the last time that you were in love with God. Remember the last time that you, you felt His presence. What did you ask of Him? I want more. I want more of you, God. I want to be filled with you, God. It is right for me to be devoted to you. It is right for me to worship you. It is right for me to take my eyes off myself and all the lack and all the scarcity and put my eyes onto you and know that I can be filled with the fullness of God. That is worship. And, that's, and the opposite of that is greed. When we turn that capacity to worship God, to want more of Him. You know, in the kingdom, when, it's weird because when you eat, you want more. When you taste and see that the Lord is good, you want more of Him. That is true worship. And what happens is that we use that capacity to worship God and move it over to devotion to something that will never fill you. You've heard the stories of billionaires. You've heard the stories of millionaires who've used their life for the pursuit of wealth. And the end of it, they unfortunately take their own life because they've realized that they've wasted their whole life to chasing the wind. Now, I might be coming across a little bit strong here and a little bit passionate, but I can see that there's temptation. There's so much temptation in our culture to chase something that will never give you life. If you become the things that you chase after, if you become the things that you worship, then chase after God. Why wouldn't you want to become life? Here's the way, the truth, and the life. Why wouldn't, you, why wouldn't you want to become filled with something that you are designed to be filled with? That is the invitation for you this morning. Do you want to be filled with Him? Do you want to worship Him? Examine yourself and ask yourself the question, who are you truly devoting yourself to? Because devotion to God will lead to the counterpart of greed, which is generosity. So when you look at the story of Ananias and Sapphira and you look at, um, you look at what motivated them, the question that you've got to ask yourself is, were they devoted to the Holy Spirit like the people, like the story, like Barnabas just before uh, the story of Annas and Sapphira? Were they truly devoted to the Holy Spirit? Because I've got to, I've got to address uh, the elephant in the room here. A lot of people look at this story and go, well, if I've got greed, is the Holy Spirit going to just, just kill me as well? <laughs> you know? there's, a, there's, a, there's a massive awkwardness in this, in this story. And there's a few things that I just want to point out there. Firstly, this was the genesis of the church. Okay. Luke put this in uh, as contrast because before that, uh, Barnabas was the one that gave his material possessions away and he, and he exemplified this beauty and freedom and generosity. And then, and then Ananias and Sapphira, it almost seems like they were trying to take the credit for, uh, for the generosity and, and the greed inside their hearts resulted in hypocrisy and deceit. So that's one of the things that you've got to understand is that, is that the Holy Spirit was birthing the church. There's only 5,000 Christians in the whole world compared to the billion there is right now. And, that, and, and the Holy Spirit was really strong about that. The other thing as well is this. I think sometimes we get surprised by the attitude of the Holy Spirit and why he was so drastic in this. We don't have to actually have to look too far back into the gospel to realise that Jesus had the same exact attitude towards this stuff as well. 
In Matthew 23, uh, Jesus presents seven woes to the Pharisees and six times he calls them hypocrites with the woes. And one of the reasons why he calls them hypocrites, just as much as the Holy Spirit here call, uh, referred to Ananias and Sapphira as hypocrites, one of the reasons why he calls them a hypocrite is because they are greedy. You see, the, the Pharisees used to clean the outside, it says they clean the outside of the bowls, but internally they're full of greed. You know, Jesus went into the temple and because of greed and because of, because of um, evilness and made the temple the thief of dens, went there with a whip and, and, and wiped, the, wiped the people out there. Jesus hates greed because it hurts people and it enslaves you. So sometimes we get really, um, really caught up by, oh, the Holy Spirit is a bit drastic about this, but he hates hypocrisy, he hates lies and he hates greed, which causes those things as well. The other thing to note as well that is that the church started experiencing persecution from outside. They started, uh, uh, they started experiencing peril from outside. Peter got called in by the leaders and, and the church started um, yeah, experiencing peril from the outside. But for the first time, Ananias and Sapphira, we see the church experiencing peril from the inside. You know, I feel as though the church can stand absolutely anything if there is no peril within the actual church. I feel as though the Holy, Holy Spirit can really use the people who in the story before, just uh, in chapter, at the end of chapter 4, you use people whose hearts are knitted together. But when there comes peril from the inside, that's when it really starts to break down the church, the unity, the love that we have for each other. And the combination of things and many other things the Holy Spirit had enough and, and that was his reaction. So I just want to say again, uh, I don't know the Holy Spirit <laughs> doing this type of action um, apart from the early church, so we don't make a doctrine out of it, but we've just got to understand the things that were happening there and this the seriousness and the holiness that come out of love that was in the early church that would allow people to take everything away uh, that, was, that was theirs and share it with those who were poor. So what does God want for us? God wants for us to experience the truth that we see in the story just before Ananias and Sapphira, where it says, Now the full number of those who believe were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of these things that belonged to him was his own, and they had everything in common. There was not one poor person amongst the 5,000. Which is really interesting in Deuteronomy, uh, there was a command by God that says, There shall be no poor among you. And that command by the nation of Israel wasn't, uh, wasn't fully expressed. They couldn't, they couldn't keep that command. But there doesn't seem to be any command by the Holy Spirit and God for people to sell their possessions. Even the Holy Spirit said to Ananias and Sapphira, the house was yours. And when you sold it, the money was yours. There's no requirement for the Holy Spirit to do this. But the reason why the people were doing this is because they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the gospel. And out of their own spontaneity, they actually fulfilled the command of let there be no poor among you by accident way better than even Israel did by command. There was absolutely no command to give to people and sell their possessions. This, what you're seeing right now in the book of Acts, at the end of chapter 2 and also at the end of chapter 4, where these believers are being filled, this is a response of being filled to the full. You know, I just recently had an operation and, um, and uh, uh, they put me under anaesthetics and that's a, that's a, that's a hell of a... <laughs> It's a crazy thing, you know, to come off anesthetics. And the first thing I did off come off anesthetics is I told, I told the whole uh, hospital that my wife is so good looking. I love her. <laughs> and like I told one of my friends to message her and tell her that she's really attractive and that she's just so beautiful. And then what I did was I started sending messages to everyone and, and telling them that I love them. I started encouraging my family and I started encouraging my friends as well, all under uh, coming off anesthetics because I was so full of the feeling of love. You're actually designed to be generous, not greedy. 
Think about it. Think about the last time you were so full with God. What did you do? You sent a message. You praised God. You, you helped someone. You did something for someone. When you are full, our nature is to give. And so when we look at generosity, sometimes we look at it as a principle like, okay, I have to give. This is not the attitude of the early church. The attitude of the early church is like what Paul said about the Macedonian church. They were begging Paul so they could partner with him to give him something so the ministry can expand. Now, when you're full with the Holy Spirit, you cannot do anything but give. And so sometimes we go, Lord, just make me so generous. The prayer that we actually need to pray is to, Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Fill me with love. Fill me with so much love that I actually am one heart and soul with a fellowship of believers that if anyone is struggling, that I would, I'm begging you, Lord God, to help me to help them out. This is the attitude that God wants for you. This is the truth that God wants for you. And it can't be, this truth can't be um, experienced in your life just by a doctrine or, or just reading the Bible. This truth can be experienced in your life if you personally ask the Holy Spirit to fill me so much that generosity just pours out of you. You know, you might be there and you might be caught in this trap of um, emptiness, chasing the wind. Ecclesiastes talks about it. Chasing the wind. And, and I perceive, and I, and I said this to the prayer team uh, before, the guys here before we actually had the message. Um, I said to them, hey, look, there's, there are a few people in our community who were already locked down internally before they got into the lockdowns. The people in our community who internally, they feel so uh, scared and fearful. And sometimes, you know, greed is really a fear's response to prosperity. We see scarcity. You know, we go out to the supermarket, we get as much toilet paper as we possibly can. And we try to get all this sort of thing because there may not be enough. This, that's a lockdown spirit. And what God wants to do is to free your spirit through generous living, prompted by the Holy Spirit and powered by the filling of the Holy Spirit. You see, sometimes I look at the truth in the Bible and I say to God, I want these things in my life. And the Holy Spirit says, you know what? I'll lead you into that truth that you said. Because that's the very reason he has come into our lives. He hasn't come into our lives as a doctrine. He hasn't come into our lives as a thought. He's come into our lives so that the reality of what the Acts Church experienced in that time could be your reality as well. God wants spacious land for you. God wants generosity. God wants a type of joy that destroys anxiety and depression. God wants a type of joy with you that is, that is glorious, that Peter talks about. A joy that's filled with hope. A life that is generous, the one that frees you internally. And it is never his will for you to be empty. Jesus was a lot of things, but he was never empty of God. And as we put our devotion not on material things and chasing after things and reject the, reject the narrative that's going on in the culture, and we put our devotion onto God, you will be filled and you'll be like the one that you worship. Amen? So come on, I hope you're excited because I want this generous life. I want to have a look at the book of Acts and go, you know what, I don't want that just to be in the Bible. I want that to be a testimony in my life. Do you want that testimony as well? So I want to lead you guys just into a time of ministry at the moment. And I want to ask you this question. What are you devoting yourself to? Because if you devote yourself to things that are inanimate, the fruit is greed and greed brings death. But if you devote yourself to God, he will bring the fruit of gener generosity and righteousness in your life. And you'll experience a freedom that you could, you would never imagined. Let this not be a testimony just in the Bible. Let it be a testimony in your life. There are many of you who may have been incredibly devoted to God in the past and now you feel like you've wandered from him. Or there are some of you who don't even know who the Holy Spirit is. I want to invite you right now. I'm just going to pray for you guys. I want to invite you right now to be filled with the Holy Spirit.
And then I want to invite you that tomorrow you follow his promptings to lead you into this truth that we find in Acts. Not Ananias and Sapphira, the early church generosity. So if, if you want to reach out your hands or whatever you want to do, position yourself, I want to pray for you. And we can do that now. Holy Spirit, I just thank you that you've been given to us, not as a doctrine or an idea, but as a person who is a genius at life. And we know that greed brings death. We know greed is idolatry. And we position our hearts right now, Holy Spirit, to ask you to fill us. Paul says in the book of Corinthians, the body was made for the Lord and the Lord was made for the body. It is right to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And you hate greed just as much as you hate greed and Ananias and Sapphira's story. But you love generosity just as much as what we saw in the early church. And I pray, Lord, that you lead us into this truth step by step, every single day, prompting by prompting. Get us out of this cycle of death. Get our lockdown spirits fully free no matter what the circumstances are outside. And I ask you to fill those who are asking to be filled with you this morning. Free them, Lord God, into a spacious, generous life. And in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Thank you for joining us in church. And again, I just want to encourage you, uh, if you have any prayer requests, reach out to us. If you want anyone to pray with you around the Holy Spirit, reach out to us. And I just encourage you this week, as you've been filled with the Holy Spirit this morning, follow his promptings day by day, because his will for you is freedom and a generous lifestyle. See you guys.
Thanks for joining us on this Discovery Church podcast. Now go and find yourself in the bigger story.